This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9. Good morning, I'm Keith Kam. This is The Breakfast Grill. Bata shoes in Malaysia have always been synonymous with school and a certain ex-prime minister. What's even more interesting is that this is a brand that many of us grew up with, thinking that it's made in Malaysia. But, surprise, surprise, it is as Czech as a Skoda, and this company has been making shoes for the past 130 years. Also, a little bit of trivia here, more than 210 million people in more than 60 countries are wearing Bata shoes at any given point in time. Maybe more than that. On the show this morning is Vebav Manrao, the country manager for Bata Malaysia in Malaysia. It has been here since 1930 when Malaysia was still Malaya. Let's find out what its staying power is and the secret for making us think that it is a homegrown brand without even trying to. Welcome back to the show, Vebav. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for having me again here. Vebav, you have been on the show before, back in November 2021. At that time, things weren't really ideal. We were still in the midst of the pandemic, but things appeared to be improving somewhat. Vaccines are already being rolled out quite widely, but there were still some restrictions. Bata's revenues fell by some 40% in 2020. You guys also recorded a loss for the first time. You pledged that you would return the company to profitability by the end of 2021. Did that happen? Yes, it did happen and no surprises there. I think I promised to you guys in the studio that if, and fingers crossed at that point in time, if there is no lockdown in rest of the year, we would make money even in that year. And that happened. So 2021, uh, the year I joined, we did make money. At the end of the year, we were in green or black, as you may call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it was a good year. But that was just we recovering on the back of a pandemic-affected year where there were lockdowns. And I think the story is not about 2021, but rather about 2022. Right. 2022 was fantastic year. I couldn't have imagined us doing anything more in 2022. When I reflect upon it, I'm sure there are things that we could do better and we, which we will. But I think 2022 by any standards, you know, went really well for us. It was a year of recovery. We were still reeling under Omicron when the year started in early, you know, first quarter. That's right. We worked upon re-energizing our collection, our products, which is the key when we are serving the consumers, especially who are coming out of their homes after a long lockdown. So are you just back to the black or are you back to pre-pandemic levels? We are much, much ahead from the pre-pandemic levels. Last year, we delivered record profitability ever in the history of Bara Malaysia and by miles. It was a fantastic year, like I said, and I think the way is only higher from here. You said something along the lines of, you know, things could have been done better. What are the lessons that you learned? Um, There is always, you know, it's a continuous improvement journey. And there is always learnings from the past that we uh, take and reflect upon. This year would be the year we will keep improving on that. A learning that we had through various surveys and speaking to the consumers was um, they don't find Bata exciting enough or the product stylish enough. While we have worked on it a lot during the last year, and I'm sure consumers must have seen the change in Bata products, its stores, its employees, the way it conducts itself in retail stores and other channels. But I think there's still a long journey to go. So this year, what we are doing very dramatically different than what we have done earlier is we are admitting that we were not surprising enough. 
we were not stylish enough. All right. And that's the theme for our campaign, which we would be starting next month onwards. Now, this is not a general product campaign, which we would do, uh, you know, in a year. It is a brand campaign to change the perception of Bata amongst the consumers. I, I actually do want to get into that a little bit deeper about the fact that Bata is not really exciting enough. You know, as I said, everyone associates it with school. But going back to your time when you first joined Bata, when you were on the station, it was just three months that you were on the job, uh, having crossed over from Adidas. What was the challenge like taking the helm of a company that's in the red for perhaps the first time in its history here? It was a tough move. The brand was not in best of its shape. The company was not in best of its shape, like you mentioned that you know it was in red so yes there was a lot of recovery to be done work had started back in the pandemic already we were in the midst of restructuring the company okay. uh, what the management before me and uh, you know obviously my team here uh, the hod's we were working on restructuring the company from the perspective of uh, shutting down any unprofitable stores that we had uh, we even shut a brand called uh, primavera which we were operating we right. shut a label aw lab we had stores for aw lab in malaysia right. and numerous other stores from bata portfolio so we had restructured the company which helped us in terms of you know operating in a much better fashion in 2021 and now uh, obviously in 2022 you also had to implement some strict cost management initiatives. Those were your words to ensure cash flow is healthy. What got affected? Because you did mention about mutual separation schemes with your staff. Have you guys been back on a rehiring spree again? Yeah, I think um, that mutual separation schemes were done during the pandemic, mostly during 2020, when we shut some businesses and brands, like I mentioned. Uh, but I think since then, since the business has recovered, we have kind of gained back the scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we have more people in the team than they were pre-pandemic levels. So yeah, we have recovered from there. When you were last year, you said you had 226 brick and mortar stores because you initiated some closures, 20 or so stores in 2020 and 2021. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think today you have about 233 currently. And that's just only about uh, fewer than 10 that you've added in the past year. So is that a bit of a slow progress? We have about 239 stores and yes, it is a slow progress. We've been cautious. We started to look at new openings only towards the end of last year. Major expansion happened mostly in the franchise channel and somewhat in the own retail or DOS channel. We were cautious even in the first half of the year until Raya. I think it's it was only Raya when we saw the huge jump coming first quarter was anyways affected by pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it was only quarter two onwards or Raya either onwards is that we saw the um, spike coming. And that's where we realized that now we can be very confident about the opening of the economy. And we went on a you know shopping spree from a store's perspective. And we were able to open some stores in second half of the year. And it continues. I think this year, our plans are ambitious. We should open about 20 to 25 stores uh, between franchise and retail channels. How much does it cost to set up a store? Uh, it varies by store. A normal store without much of hoo-ha, say in a C-town or a B-town, would cost about a million ringgits. I mean, including all costs involved. Uh, but in a KL-like city, if we are doing a flagship store, and I'm not sure if you had a chance to visit our KLCC or Mid Valley store in the last year, we have revamped the stores. Mm -hmm. And there has been a fantastic change in the way we are operating or we are serving to the consumers in those two stores. They are our flagship locations. They are very important locations for us. And the face of Patas that you see there is entirely different 
than any other store that you must have seen for Bata. And that's how we are surprising the customer going forward. What is the makeup like franchise versus cell phone stores? As of now, we are mainly DOS or uh, cell phone stores. Very few stores are franchised. We have just 14 stores under franchise. We started franchise or diversification in our channels in 2021 only. And we've been moving since then. So it's 14 stores that we have under franchise. Do you see more franchises coming online? How do you decide on who gets uh, to be on the franchise? So yes, that is the agenda. We will be working on diversification. I think when uh, pandemic came, we realized that we are a very little diversified company. Bulk of our sales come from our own retail DOS channel, while um, franchise or e-com or wholesale is not much of it. And hence, we have been on a diversification spree since then. Franchise will keep expanding. As of now, bulk of our expansion is happening in East Malaysia, where we see a large opportunity. But West is not not out of question. We are looking at partners and maybe through this channel, I can ask anyone who's interested to become a franchisee, please contact me personally. We'll be keen to have you on board. Which brings me to e-commerce. I believe you spent something like 5 million ringgit to scale up your online business following a strong demand from this segment. Talk to me first about your From Anywhere to Anywhere initiative, which congratulations, you won a branding award for it. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, And I think you named it right. It is not e-com for us. It is from anywhere to anywhere. This is how we conceive the channel and how we perceive the channel to be operating. For us, it has been a great success in terms of the From Anywhere to Anywhere channel or e-com channel for us it is a culmination of ship from store meaning we can ship from you know the stocks that is available in the stores shipping from warehouses anyways uh, a default we ship to the consumer wherever they wish to they have an option of click and collect plus there's an added thing which is in-store sales so in all our stores and we scaled up very quickly after the new platform we launched in 2021 we scaled up very quickly to have in-store sales solution available across our portfolio of stores. And all the store managers in the stores, along with the sales staff, have an application based on a mobile, on a tablet, uh, which they can support the customer to do the sales uh, of any missing articles, colors, styles, sizes, as the case may be, so that we do not leave any customer going out of our doors without having a product in their hands. So growing your omni-channel presence, do you foresee going out on your own or do you see partnerships with online marketplaces? We have partnerships with online marketplaces and we have our own website too. We are working on both tangents. I think it's a business where we keep growing our own channel through ISS, through our own .com. But as of now, bulk of our business comes from marketplaces. Both the marketplaces, the named marketplaces in Malaysia, we've done really well with them. Uh, We have uh, gained more than 10 places in terms of, you know, ranking uh, in both the marketplaces in last year. Uh, We have more than doubled our business while the industry grew at only 22% last year. We more than doubled our business even last year in e-com. In the studio with me this morning is Vebaf Manrao, the country manager for Bata Malaysia. On the other side of the break, we'll find out why so many of us think Bata is a locally made brand no matter what country they are in. And is this an advantage for it? BFM 89.9.
You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, we are back on The Breakfast Grill and we are stepping up the conversation with Vebhav Manrao, the country manager for Bata Malaysia. Vebhav, I want to talk about your branding strategy because almost anyone I speak to who is from Southeast Asia or South Asia, they seem to think Bata is a homegrown brand. Indians think it's made in India. My Bangladeshi friends thought for the longest time it was theirs. Even me, I thought it was a Malaysian brand. Was this an intentional strategy? How did this evolve? Bata came to international expansion then at a time. And Thomas Bata, you know, the father behind all this, started all this when nobody could think of going across the borders. And I think Bata has been in countries for uh, centuries. You know, in some cases for Malaysia, it is close to a century now, just seven years apart from, uh, you know, completing a century. So when you see a brand from generations, you tend to believe that it's a local brand. And that is the nature of Bata, the way it operates, the way it makes its product collections, it suits the local taste. It is a global brand from a branding perspective. We have our in-house brands, which have headquarters in different parts of the world, designing centers, again, in different parts of the world. However, the products which are consumed or supplied to a particular country are suited to the very local needs of a particular country, which makes it a very local brand which a lot of brands, international brands, try and achieve. I'm not sure how many of them are possible, but I think Bata does it effortlessly. That's, it that's, does it effort. That's true, but I guess it's a double-edged sword in this way because when people think it's local, they do feel that they must support it and it should be cheap-ish, but also there's always an assumption that quality isn't quite as good as you know if they find out it's actually from Europe, right? I mean, how do you navigate this? So, yeah, I think whenever we hear and, you know, that's a common understanding in Malaysia and I came from India there too, that anything that is local is perceived to be low quality. And I think that is where we as brands have to play a role to ensure that the quality is never compromised. We have a rigorous supply chain team, operation supply chain team, who work on various processes of ensuring quality at the manufacturer supplier end at our warehouse and when we receive and at the retail stores too, before we, you know, hand over the product to the customer. And through various steps across the production and the value chain, we ensure that the quality is always right. The styles are localized, the designs and the branding efforts are global, while quality is maintained across the value chain, which ensures that we are able to deliver a good quality to the customer. Under the Bata stable, you do have some very long-lasting brand names, North Star, Power, Marie Claire, and Bubble Gummers. These are names that I remember from my school days, and I'm in my mid-50s. So why doesn't there seem to be any push to rejuvenate your name? I mean, it gives an impression that you guys are just stagnant, right? So for us, we play under the big Bata logo or the main main banner more than working on the in-house brands. However, in the recent years, if you would have noticed, there has been a huge push towards, you know, growing our in-house brands. Uh, so 2019 end is when our new CEO joined mm-hmm. and 2021 is when we, uh, you know, then there was a pandemic and 2021 was the start of our new strategy, stepping forward strategy, pretty much the time I joined Bata. And in that, there is a conscious focus on growing our, our in-house brands, which is Power, North Star, Bata Comfit, Van Brenner, Bubble Gummers, and Bata Red Label. So these global six brands are key focus for us, and they continue to be our focus. We've seen significant improvement in their sales and in their contribution to our total portfolio. 
and the now the sub brands or the in-house brands as we call it have started to reflect as individuals in our consumer surveys also so we do certain surveys with third party organizations neutral organizations who would you know come back to us with unaided recall i mean without telling a brand name unaided recall and our in-house brands have started to appear in unaided recall as well that means these brands from a consumer lens are growing outside of the bata banner in their own uh, might last year was a rather surprising year from a small brand in our portfolio northstar was not a big brand in our portfolio we started a campaign called sneaker fest around medeka last year and that's a brand which has kind of you know overtaken all expectations the sales have doubled for northstar and the recall rate is very high people come looking uh, knocking on the doors for northstar stores and we have just surpassed all targets that we had set for ourselves we over delivered last year then initially what we were thinking the numbers for this year so it has been a great surprise for us especially for northstar talk to me about your strategy to stay relevant what's your r&d your design uh, how does it work so we have our design labs in italy in canada in singapore in china in colombia and some other parts also because you know some of the designs are uh, created at different uh, countries uh, but are uh, broadly the headquarters from a design perspective are in italy uh, singapore canada and colombia depending on what brands are we talking about so the product designing and inspiration happens there while uh, the feedback mechanism is a continuous feedback that happens between the countries and the global and regional teams to ensure that the product needs the consumer taste the color palettes etc are taken care of from a consumer lens or a country lens while the branding technology product designing shoe molds lasts all that is done at a global level I want to shift over to your manufacturing operation in Malaysia. There is a blurb on your Malaysian website that said with the drop in shoe production costs in China, Bata made the business savvy move to begin reducing its production in Malaysia. What is the situation like in Malaysia now? So we produce not significant but quite good amount of quantities in Malaysia too. Almost 25 to 30% of our products are sourced and produced in Malaysia. Uh, there are few products which are sourced in malaysia but produced in china so i won't call them local but about 30% 25 to 30% of our products are manufactured actually in malaysia the shift towards china does it does it indicate that manufacturing costs are so restrictive here yes they are i think more than the manufacturing costs it's availability of technology availability of manpower mm-hmm. i think manpower is a key challenge and it's across industries there is a lack of manpower especially the people who, who would like to work in manufacturing units in malaysia which restricts uh, you know manufacturers etc to expand in malaysia So what sort of conditions would entice Bata to come back and set up more manufacturing here? We as of now are working on optimizing our existing factories. We do not have um I mean we have small manufacturing unit in Klang, but other than that we have major factories in Indonesia, Bangladesh, India, Pakistan in our region where we are looking to optimize. So as such there is no plan to set up a manufacturing unit in Malaysia as of now until 2025 our focus is to optimize our own manufacturing of batown manufacturing in the countries that i mentioned and that's where we'll take some leverage from. The covid period and indeed i think right up until today in fact supply chain issues production costs increases delays etc how has bata been affected? 
We live in the same ecosystem. I think the input cost, supply chain cost, some material cost, labor cost, minimum wage increase, all of them have affected us pretty much like any other brand or company that is operating out of Malaysia or in this global ecosystem. Dollar rate has not been our friend either. So yes, um, I think it has impacted us. But what we have done is uh, in the last two years, we have worked on, I think pandemic was a blessing in disguise. We worked upon centralizing a lot of our operations, especially with regards to product development, collection development, and reducing the number of SKUs that we produce in a country and also an overall by having common collections, mostly within the region, which helps us optimize in terms of economies of scale and hence reduce cost at a per unit level, which then helps us in terms of while at a compound level or material level, the cost may have increased. But when we gain economies of scale, we are able to neutralize that the cost uh, push that comes to us. I won't lie by saying that they have not been price increases. Yes, they have been. But I think we have been able to cushion the impact quite a lot through our internal optimization efforts. How much have you had to increase prices? Like what sort of frequency have you had to do that? There is no set, set cycle in terms of this is when we increase prices. Uh, they are based on the input costs that we receive. Uh, then negotiations happen with the suppliers in terms of ensuring if we are able to increase the order or share the order amongst countries and increase the quantities, are we able to get prices? And a lot of times those succeed and hence we are able to control control the prices. But if it's inevitable, then we have to go for an increase in prices. And finally, I kind of have to ask this because you are certainly one of the, the biggest shoemakers in the world. You employ the most number of, of people in your factories as well. How do you ensure compliance you know, with human and worker rights uh, given your vast empire? There have been, of course, accusations of human rights violations, non-payment of factory workers. How do you ensure all these that you comply with all these requirements, seeing as it's such a huge operation? Yeah. So we do not have factory operation in Malaysia, so I don't have to deal with that bit as of now. Uh, however, from a global perspective, yes, there is a large focus on ensuring that such cases do not happen with our strict compliance to ESG standards. Even while we are not listed globally, we do have our internal controls in terms of ESG standards. And that's how we ensure that human rights, labor rights, you know, wages, etc. are all compliant to the local guidelines. And, you know, we, we don't err um, any time in any of the countries that we are operating out of. Vevav Munro, thank you very much for the chat. Thank you, Keith. On the breakfast grill with me this morning was the country manager for Bata Malaysia, Vevav Munro. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.